Welcome to Pardon the Intermission, a podcast that takes a look at movies, TV, and all things entertainment from the past, the present, and the future. Remember to subscribe and like the podcast and give a review. This helps out the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Now on to the show. Yes, hey everyone, welcome to Pardon the Intermission. Yeah, I'm Eric. And I am Jason. Hey, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, you know, I'm going to have to change that intro because now we have social media sites. We do. We have Facebook and Twitter. That's right. And I'm going to have to include those now into the, uh, I guess, into the intro, right? You're going to have to go back and re-record that. (laughs) I was like, oh man, I got to go. I got to go back in there and do it again. There you go. There you go. Oh, well. I was hoping to use that for years. Life's lessons learned hard. Wouldn't have to do that for years. (laughs) Hey, real quickly, before we get into our show tonight, I want to throw a toss out out there to one of our loyal listeners who I happen to work with. His name is Isaiah. Isaiah and I are compadres at T-Mobile. Isaiah, thank you so much for listening to the show, brother. Hey, uh, respect you and love working with you. And thanks for the feedback you gave me on the show as well. Greatly appreciate it. Oh, cool. You didn't tell me about this. do, Do we have to talk about it off mic, the feedback? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I will say it, it's good feedback. It's why did you? Feedback. Oh, okay. Okay. It's I was gonna feedback. say, why did you wait? Yes. Now I'm gonna. That's gonna be but, bothering me. But anyway, while we value all of our listeners out yes, there, for um, sure. This particular one, Isaiah came up to me and downloaded the podcast, listened to it. He enjoys it, and uh, he just kind of gave me some really good comments and some good feedback about it earlier this week. So Isaiah, awesome. Awesome. again, my friend, my brother, thanks for listening. And uh, hey, when we uh, meet again at work next week, maybe we can talk more about it. All right. Hey, and. Uh, yeah, thank you, Isaiah, and uh, yep. hopefully maybe someday we'll see you out there in the in oh, yeah. the world, you know, and I'll get to say hi to you. Well, so. I, I see him five days a week, so I can say hi <laughs> well, for you. Well, tell him I said hi, or he'll hear the, he'll, he'll hear the podcast. Yeah, I can't right? even, I'm so excited I can't even speak. I know, right? There we go. Yeah, there we go. Very cool, very cool. Yes. Yeah, um, no, we do. We 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 do value all the listeners. Thank yep. you guys so much for listening to yeah, us. Absolutely. And we, really pre- we know that you guys are giving up your time, and, and uh, that means so much to us. It does, And yes. that's why we try to do what we do here. And, and put out yes. a, a quality show for you guys. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because time is very valuable. So it speaking is. of that, let's get it going. Yeah. I had a surprise for you. I told you earlier I was going to yes. surprise you. And I'm held um, in suspense. What's well, because it usually we, and, and to let the audience in on it, usually we kind of talk about <clears throat> some of the topics we're going to go over, right? We yeah. kind of, you know, to build the show. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to bring something up, but it's going to be a surprise. Yeah. And it's not, okay, sorry. I, w- I wish it could be like, you know, hey, I got a million dollars for you, but yeah. I got something better. Lay, lay it on me. Star Trek Picard. Oh! What do you think so far? Woo! I just watched, what is it, episode six, episode season six. three. Yes, I watched episode six last night. Oh my gosh, I wanted so much more. Yes. I, are, I, what are they doing to us? Uh, uh, they, are, they are doing, what they're doing to us is what a great, well-written series is supposed to do. Yes. Keep us on the edge of our seats. Oh my gosh. And the and member berries in this episode alone, yes. the member berries. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? Yes, I did. They're walking by. They got James T. Kirk. So many Easter eggs. It, in Easter this eggs, one. yes, in yes. the episode. They got the Tribbles. They got the Tribbles. In the episode. And for those of you diehard TNG fans, you'll be delighted to know that Professor Moriarty, Moriarty makes a return in this Danny back. Daniel Davis, who portrayed the actor or who portrayed the uh, holographic character uh, Professor Moriarty mm-hmm. in the holodeck uh, versions of uh, the Sherlock Holmes episodes. Now, who played Sherlock? Was it Data or was it? Picard. Uh, it was Data who played Holmes. Who played Holmes? Okay. And then I believe I can't remember if 
I don't think Picard was Watson, Watson. but uh, uh, I'll have to really dig back and mm. remember that again. But so, yeah, anyway, there's a lot of really fun Easter eggs, including one scene where they go to a uh, Federation fleet museum. And oh, remember that gosh. scene where Seven of Nine is working with uh, Jack yes. Crusher and showing the different ships that they, they yes. have in the fleet museum, a la USS Voyager. Voyager fans out there, you're going to yep. know that the Voyager's in this, the USS Defiant. Mm-hmm. So there's your Easter egg and your nod to Deep Space Nine. And they also have the USS Enterprise A Constitution yep. class that was captained by James T. Kirk. So. And they also had, they also picked up Geordi, another they relic. They did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> from the original yes. TNG so uh, basi- show. basically to answer your question they are what they are doing is they are bringing together the next generation and obviously bringing them all back together but they're doing it in a way where it still ties into the story so in other words yes. they didn't try and bring them all back in one fell swoop mm-hmm. and for those of you who haven't watched the episode yet I know we're running the risk of some major spoilers here. But it basically centers around, if you watch the last episode, where they were hot on the trail of figuring out what the Changeling's plot was to destroy the Federation. Yes. To find the ultimate weapon that apparently they are constructing or have constructed to destroy the Federation. So that this episode builds on that, and we find out some interesting things. Well, and they're also trying to figure out why they're after Jack. Why they're after Jack Crusher, Crusher. still. That's yeah. right. So that plot element is still in there. But we find out at the end of episodes at the end of episode six that Picard might actually be the weapon that the changelings are looking yes, for. Which is interesting. Like why yes. Picard? I still wonder, you know, mm-hmm. if this has now that I have any insight. But if this has something to do with the Borg, um, what was his name? Locutus, Le- right? Locutus. Yeah. I still wonder if somehow this is tied into the Borg somewhere down the road. What do uh, you think? I think it is. I also think it's tied into a little bit of cloning, a little bit of nods to cloning um, that have been periodically mentioned throughout Star Trek lore. And I'm going to take you all the way back to 2002 when Star Trek Nemesis came out on the big screen. Mm. Uh, that was the first movie that Tom Hardy, who played the villain Shinzon, really broke out on the Did scene. Did he really? With. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, Tom wow. Hardy, who's been in some wow. wonderful films, a fantastic actor, played the Star Trek villain in that one, Shinzon. And Shinzon was a clone of Picard. But he was a younger version Mm. of Picard who was designed to skip 30 years of his life so he could age faster. And the whole some of the premise of the plot focused around him eventually replacing the real Jean-Luc Picard. And basically it was a Romulan ploy to put another clone of Picard deep into the heart of the Federation so that Mm. he could undermine whatever they were doing. So I think that this could also possibly be kind of a way for them to tie in the thing about cloning that was briefly mentioned in Star Trek Nemesis, but has also been postulated throughout Star Trek lore and the other series as well. That's very interesting because you think at at this point, you know, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to find out where the story goes because what you're talking about here, I'm kind of wondering, you know, let's say if this was real life, I mean, Picard is kind of at the end of his tenure there, right? I mean, so what, how would he be so valuable at this point for them to get into Starfleet? I mean, I'm I'm just, I'm just kind of running through it, you know? I wish I could tell you. You know, but yeah, it's, oh my gosh. But unless they're trying, well, unless, I don't know, unless it's still tied into Jack where they need, maybe, I don't know, maybe they're going to put in a young Jack. And we've also Hmm. left out the most important part of this episode, which was a return of data. Yeah, oh, very true. Well, a t- return of data, mm-hmm. a return of uh, Professor uh Arnon Sung, yes. Arnon Sung, also the, and, B- and Android B4 from Star Trek Nemesis. Mm-hmm. 
and Lore, who was, of course, Data's twin brother in uh, the couple of the Next Generation episodes. This was interesting because mm-hmm. I had heard a uh, uh, I had heard some rumor that Lore was going to be in it, and yeah. but so when they did this, I thought, oh man, before they turned him on, this is going to be all Lore. Don't do it. Don't turn right. him on. But I know. then, but, me too. Right? Really? Yeah. But seriously. Then, but then you know, obviously, he's got all these personalities. So this yes. is even crazier than what I thought. And uh, Ter- Terry Matalus, the the front runner of this show, the head producer. And writers Akiva Goldsman and Michael Shaben um, are doing a fantastic job of not only reintroducing the characters from the next generation at the right periods of time throughout mm. the run of this uh, series yes. right now, yes. of this season, but they're doing it in a way where it's still an intriguing plot. And again, it's not like they just brought all the cast members back in one fell swoop. That would have been completely boring. And let's also keep in mind that they still have the Shrike after them as well. Which Cut, yes, that was Jack. which of course. So, uh, yeah, spoiler alert! Spoiler uh, they, alert! They, <laughs> they get yeah. Turn it off. You don't hear real for a couple of seconds. Yeah, they uh, they end up getting uh, Riker. They capture Riker. They capture Riker now. Yep. So, but here's the other thing though is that when uh, they did it because he has well, they said that he, he goes, I'm not going to talk. Right at the end, they, you can right. torture me all you want. Basically, he says, I'm not going to talk. Right. And then at the end, guess who they have? They have his wife, Deanna Troy. Imzadi. Which is funny because it's like they do almost have the whole cast mm-hmm. together now. Who are they yeah. missing? Uh, <clears throat> thank God they don't have Wesley Crusher yet, but that's who they're missing. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know what's going to happen? He's going to come back yeah. and save the whole thing. Watch. He's going to be the... I would not be surprised if they do. He's going to be the X Factor, and he's going to come back, and, right? and they're all going to depend on uh, Shut Wesley. up, Wesley. <laughs> yeah. But, well, no, yeah. They have the original members now from the next generation back in this. And, Eric, I still think there are 10 episodes in season three. And we're at... Wow. Are there really 10? There are going to be 10 uh, episodes. So we're at four season more. six, so we have four more. I still think we're in for some major surprises and major spoilers still to come. Mm. I still think we're going to see maybe some Deep Space Nine characters Ooh. make a return in this, other than Worf, because remember Worf. Well, they was had on Worf, DS9. and then they had that other. What was that Ferengi? What was his name? Uh, Ferengi was sh- uh, not Shran, but uh, he was from Deep Space Nine too. No, you're thinking oh. of Quark. Oh, Quark sorry, was okay. the Ferengi from Deep oh, Space Nine. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. okay. But so I think we're in store for. Some DS9 character, other mm. DS9 characters to cross over, and also maybe some Voyager characters. So I think the best is still yet to come. Well, I'll tell you, and, I, and I'm sorry for the listeners. Yes, this is we're geeking out. This is uh, all time. all Star Trek all the time. But but you know what? <laughs> this <laughs> show, I'm mean, I'm sorry. This show it. is knocking it every week out of the park. Killing it's it. unbelievable. I, I you know what it, it is? Is you can tell how hungry the fans are <clears throat> yep. for good. <clears throat> TV and for yep. something that doesn't spoil all their favorite characters, something that yep. doesn't have to rip them apart. Mm-hmm. And they, oh man, Terry Madlis, man, that guy is a genius. Yes, he okay. is. Okay, favorite favorite part of this episode. What's your favorite favorite thing in this episode? My favorite part of the episode is where. Don't steal mine. Okay, I'm actually gonna, okay. <laughs> I know which one you're going to say, so I'm going to defer to my second favorite, which okay. was. When Seven of Nine was showing Jack Crusher all the different ships at the uh, Federation uh, Fleet Museum. At didn't a- he look like a captain? Agent Prime. When Agent he was Prime. sitting in that chair. Yes, he did. They're priming. I mean, yes. they're priming him for... They They could extend this after Picard, which I think they might... They yes. could do a Titan. I think they could. With all these characters, all these new characters. Yes, and... 
Todd Stashwick, who's done a fantastic job as Captain Shaw of the Titan. Yes. By the way, is still factoring into this as well. But well, he yeah. could still be so, the captain, but I mean, yeah. the other characters, and I do, and I will say, okay, was that your favorite? So your favorite was when they were going through the ships? Yes, I must okay. admit that I... Or second favorite. Yes, I must admit the hairs on my body were standing up when they were going through and seeing all the different ships that we've seen throughout Star Trek history and then playing the certain pieces of theme music from each of those series oh, and I movies. Oh, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch well, that. Well, yeah, you'll have to go back and watch it, but you can faintly hear, like, for example, when Seven is showing him the USS Voyager, a little underlying mm, theme from genius. Voyager playing... Likewise, with the USS Defiant, which was featured in D Space Nine, you could hear a little bit of DS9 theme music in there. So, yeah, that was a very poignant moment. My second favorite, but I'm sure my first. Okay, what's your first one? And I'll tell you if it was, if it took. Okay, when they're walking through Daystrom Institute looking for the thing that the changelings were going to steal. Nope, that wasn't my favorite. No, okay, what was it? Okay, so your fir- your actually true first favorite was when they were walking through, through the Daystrom Institute. Okay, yeah, and when they ran across the the bones of uh, <laughs> the bones the bo- of, of, of well, we don't know if it's the bones, but of J- they showed a skeleton of uh, James Kirk. James T. Kirk. See, that's yeah. interesting because they've kind of. You know, that could go any way because when they did that, you know what I thought immediately was from, of uh, uh, course, the newer uh, uh, episodes where he had gotten Khan's blood. And I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe there's something there. They could actually bring him back. Well, I'm actually going to take you back to Star Trek canon. There was a book that came out several years ago, shortly after the movie Star Trek Generations came out. It's called Star Trek The Return. And the uh-huh. plot of the book is about the Borg coming back, and this is before First Contact, this is about the Borg actually going to Viridian 3, the okay. planet where Kirk died, finding Kirk's body, and then assimilating him, and having him return to life, <clears throat> and he has all these deep, dark secrets of the Federation that they use to try and infiltrate Starfleet Ooh, and destroy them. That's interesting. So, yes. why Now, I'm not saying that that's tied into the little Easter egg we saw in the episode last night, but I think looking at what Star Trek canon did and trying to keep Kirk's character alive, mm. you know, I'm not saying they base it off that, but just kind of an interesting little comparison there to make. And star- diehard Star Trek fans will know about that book, Star Trek The Return. So Star Trek The Return, interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, my favorite, I'm going to tell you my favorite part was yeah. when um, you just, you mentioned him a little bit ago, Captain Shaw. Oh, uh, yeah saw uh mr laforge oh. <laughs> and he was okay. geeking out like a little schoolboy that just yes. met his hero yes and i loved how laforge handled it he's like well yep. you know we could do all that but we we could talk about all that and that would be very cool but right. we need to get to the business right exactly now. <laughs> right i loved okay. it man i loved it you know what it is is because it's showing all these sides of captain shaw i had such <clears> a, <throat> an impression in the first episode yeah when he when he was basically blew yeah. off you know Riker and picard and said listen guys my ship to get out of here i don't yep. care what you want i'm doing my own thing yeah you know yeah. don't be messing with my ship i run a tight ship and now his character really his character arc i think has changed the most really yeah. yep, um definitely. in this so far yeah. uh so that was my favorite part my second favorite part i did i did like the chemistry between jack crusher and uh, uh seven of nine no 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 jordy's uh uh oh. daughter uh, the, what's the her helm, name? The Helmsman? Yeah, yeah. What's her name? I can't remember her character's Sydney name. Sydney LaForge. Yeah, Sydney. Uh, the, there, there's a little... Uh, <clears throat> little, know, little chemistry there. There could be some sparks Did you? Didn't there. you see that? Did you catch that? I did see a little bit of a flirtation. And he's all... And he's all uh, st- remember, did you see that? And then yep. LaForge is like, stay away from my daughter. Stay away from my daughter. <laughs> yeah. And he said it rather stoically, I might add. So You know, and what they did, and it was awesome how they brought that to where now you're having these little groups within the group, right? right. So now yes. you've got the young, you know, the young yep. people 
who are like, we have to make our mark, and they went over to the bird of prey and bought, brought back the, but, the cloaking device. Not only just the bird of prey, but the bird of prey that was featured in Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Where they picked up the whales. Yes. Yep. And that, Jack Crusher even alludes to that. He says, that was the one that had the whales in it, right? Yeah, or yeah. something along that. <laughs> Star Trek Star Trek IV The Voyage Home is... is is lightheartedly referred to as the whale one. The whale. By, oh, really? By fans and non-fans oh, alike. Oh, wow! I, I never I guarantee heard that. you, if you go up to a, star, a non-Star Trek fan and you say, "Hey, have you seen Star Trek for the Voyage Home?" Their first answer to you is going to be, "Oh, is that the one with the whales? Or is uh, that the whale yeah. one?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I loved how how Terry Madelis and the writers kind of weaved that part of the fandom into the storytelling. There, Which we we cool. talked about Eddie Murphy, right? We already talked about him. We talked about Eddie Murphy. Yeah, a couple the, shows ago. Yeah, yeah. So that that yeah. was the one where he was uh, <clears throat> supposed to. Be be the uh, the Earth professor, the Earth professor. In, in modern in, right. in our day, put it that way, in our day, and, right. and didn't didn't yeah. do it, but yeah, it was great. Yeah, the, the ships mm-hmm. that they had, they had almost every ship represented. I think that yeah. really had some uh, big significance, and I like how he's yeah. like, I'm, I'm a constellation guy. Dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You know, they're really setting it up, right? And and they I love yeah. and, and, and the characters really have a, what I love about it, and and the way that that. Oh man, you know what that other I'll tell you what that other scene. This this episode, I want to go back and watch it right now. Uh, right yeah. now if we didn't have the podcast because this episode just had so much to it. I mean, the way the the father-daughter connection between Jordy and and Sydney when he said, you know, when she goes, "Why do you think I always crash the speeders to spend time with you, you know, right? to fix them?" I oh, mean, it was, was just like, heartfelt. "Oh man, that that, that gets you." Yeah. yeah, and then like I said, and then now Jack Jack Crusher, his character is really taken on uh, has had its own arc, right? He's not just mm-hmm. the you know brooding. Oh, then you're my dad. I don't whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't you know. No chip on the shoulder guy. No, you see him. I mean, he's got a heart. I mean, oh man, they're doing such good stuff with the characters, and it's like you yep. said, the writing is so good. It's simple. Yeah. It's heartfelt, and it's just so good, so meaty. It is. You know. Yeah, it is what Star Trek has always been about, and but it's been a whole lot more too because they've expanded on the storytelling to have it not only reflect the future in which these characters now live in, but also to be reflective of a new generation that they're trying to get latched onto Star Trek. Because mm-hmm. those of us Gen Xers grew up with Star Trek, and we grew up with a different kind of Star Trek, though. And so they're trying to attract the Gen Zers and the Millennials who thrive on social media and mm-hmm. thrive on the Internet. And so this type of Star Trek not only appeals to people like you and I, again, the Gen Xers who grew up with these, the, the Star Trek that we knew, but it can, at the same time, it can rope them in and get yeah. the Gen Zers and the young, younger kids out there attached to Star Trek as well. So it's working well on multiple fronts as far as uh, the effect it's having from an entertainment standpoint, but from an educational standpoint too. Well, and and I think it was the Discovery, right? They just got canceled. Discovery just got canceled. Yeah, Yeah, so... Yeah, it was canceled. It was canceled. They have one more season, I think, and that's going to be it, right? Season five, and then that'll be it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, and and this problem, and you know, Strange New Worlds too has to be careful with this too, and and they have some good characters in Strange New World. I, I haven't watched Discovery um, but, um, you know, the thing is, is that these are a lot of characters that don't, you know, you're not going to, like you're talking about, you're not going to necessarily catch the older fans that, right. you know, from the original. And right. then at the same time, I don't know if it's, if it's going to resonate, you know, they're like, oh, this is an old sci-fi <laughs> thing with Kirk and who cares, you right, know, and, right. and for the younger generation, they yeah. have that attitude. So yeah, th- this show may be just the one to do that, to be able to, mm-hmm. to kind of bridge that gap and, and keep it going. Because yeah. I could see, I know that Picard is ending. Yeah. I could see them. Uh, like I said, you you I could see them make a whole different show with the new characters. They could even bring some of the older ones back in once in a great while. Yeah, 
but uh, uh, they they have definitely got. I mean, the chemistry is just right mm-hmm. um, with with the way that that Terry has done it with the older and the new blending together. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah. I, and, you know, and I'm talking. And yes, I am talking from a fan perspective as far as from the old series. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I heard somebody mention that. You know that. Well, I've you know even before Star Wars was around, I was watching Star, Star Trek, Trek, and that's yeah. true for me too. I mean, I was yeah. watching the reruns of of Star Trek. Even before Star Wars came along, you yeah. know, and yep. and uh, so yeah, this, this definitely has a place in a lot of people's heart. And mm-hmm. Terry's doing this thing right. Yeah. Hats off to him. I I mean, every episode <laughs> mm-hmm. is just it's better than the last. That's that's and that's it the is. other thing too. That I was going to mention. You watch like I watch this episode. And you think, ah, oh, okay, it's gonna at some point it's gonna peak. It's gonna peak. Yeah. No, the way they did it, like you said, the way they're just kind of peppering in characters. Yeah, they don't all, and then the characters are gonna be gone. Like Riker's gone. Somebody's gonna have to rescue him. So now yeah. we're gonna have another plot going another way and then there's right. going to be something else going another way so you don't have just all these characters meshed in there and it's basically right. the next generation you know season when did they end you know season season seven season eight you know you don't have basically yeah. i mean this feels like a whole new show <clears throat> yeah. i love the new characters that they're that they're bringing in yep um and definitely of course definitely the older characters mm-hmm. and seven of nine i was worried about her being in the show at yeah. first just because <clears throat> i thought even the other episode is kind of like eh it's funny how they kind of played her and Roz. Is it Roz, right? Their relationship is Rafi? basically... Uh, Rafi, sorry. Rafi, yeah. Rafi, it's just kind of like, you know, well, hi, how you doing? Yeah, okay, let's move on. <laughs> Especially since we know that they're both lovers and see, Well, not lovers, but they're both romantically linked. Yeah, they're romantically two. linked in season two, right? So yes, it's kind, it's funny how it's just they just took care of that. It's like, okay, let's yes. just get this over with. Boom, you know, it's, yes. it's okay, and we're going to move on. So. Yeah, and, you know, there's also... Um, oh, what was I just going to say? I just had a brain fart. Uh, in re- Oh, in regards to... Um, oh, what I was going to say was I was perusing Twitter um, earlier this week, and I know that there has been a massive social media push to have a Star Trek spinoff series based off of Picard season three featuring this new cast that you're just alluding to. Oh, really? Okay. There's a whole bunch of fans who are constantly retweeting a lot of Todd Stashwick's tweets Mm. about uh, episodes and everything. I follow him too. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, he's all the time. He's constantly. Yeah. yeah. And so now there's been a massive swell of fans who have jumped out here on social media and they are literally tweeting and retweeting comments about creating a new Star Trek series, a spinoff series based off of Picard season three. And they're going in and they're tagging Terry Madalus and they're tagging Patrick Stewart and they're tagging Akiva Goldsman, one of the writers. And so, yeah, it's stuff like this that shows you just how popular it's become. And I would, I would, I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that we will see a spinoff series before too long here. Well, and that, that's awesome. I mean, you know, the, the thing too, is that, you know, a lot of, we, we've noticed that a lot, guess what people, it depends on the fans. It does. A lot of these shows and you have to give out good quality content and you're going to bring those people in. You can't just throw a bunch of stuff out there with, with yep. characters that, okay, you, you know, you know their names, you know, and, right. and bring them in and then you're, they're going right. to bring in. Um, so yeah, this, this is obviously, I hope this is a signal to these, mm-hmm. uh, um, to these movie studios, these TV studios, uh, going forward. You know what I mean? A blueprint saying, okay, here it is. This is what you need to do. Yep. You know, and treat the characters right. Good writing and, and let's go. Proof you that know? content is yes, more th- there quality you go. content is more important than the way it looks and who is cast in it. And I will also say this, Eric, Star hmm. Trek, this the social media push that's going on right now, just my last closing comments about this episode. Sure, yeah. The the social media push going on right now by the fans to get a spin-off series based off the characters of season 3 of Picard is how Star Trek 
in a way, became popular in our society anyway. True. Because yeah. remember, the original series lasted only three seasons, from 1966 until 1969. It was yes. canceled in 69. It didn't become popular until fans started watching the original series in syndication. The reruns, on, yeah. On, on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7. And for whatever reason, this generation that was being raised in the 70s that still was alive in the 60s when they saw it latched onto it. And they started having, they were they would go out way before social media, I might add, and write thousands and thousands and thousands of fan letters every single day to Paramount Pictures saying, look, we want to, we want to see Star Trek come back. And these fans formed what eventually became the fan conventions. Yeah, and the, it Trekkies, was, the, the Trekkies. The Trekkies, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the Trekkies were responsible for bringing Star Trek back Onto the big, onto the big screen. With the motion picture in what seventy eight, right? In uh, nineteen seventy nine. Seventy nine was when the motion picture came out. So way before social media, we saw how just how influential fan movements can be in keeping something alive. And now you you fast forward some fifty or sixty years later, we're seeing it in a much different form, mind you. But it just goes to show you that because the quality of that content way back then meant something to people. It makes no difference how it's disseminated. The popularity of it is just as important as the content, and the fans are latching onto it, and they're seeing it, and that's why they want more. Yeah, yeah. Big well time. put, well put. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I just want to say, I think uh, yes. Terry is probably, we might have mentioned this before, he might be the Kevin Feige of the uh, of this uh, Star oh, Trek man. universe, because I think he's, yeah. I think, yeah, you know, they're going to actually, I mean, he's just a producer on this, right? Executive producer. He's executive producer. Yeah. Uh, they're they're probably gonna they're probably gonna put him in control of all. I I would put him I in control too. of all yeah. all of the uh, Star Trek content going forward. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because Gene Roddenberry's son Eugene Roddenberry actually has, I think, if and correct me if I'm wrong, people out there, I think he has final say. Over the creative ideas mm. for all of the entertainment spinoffs or the show spinoffs uh, still alive in the Star Trek series. So, in other words, Eugene Roddenberry will give the green light on Star Trek Picard. He'll look at uh, pitches made for Star Trek Strange New Worlds and say, hey, I like this. Let's go ahead and put it into pre-production. Let's get the ball rolling on this. Mm. Same thing for Discovery. So, I think Eugene might be the final say as caretaker of his father's franchise. Okay. But in terms of a creative standpoint, you're right. Terry is exactly that. He's the Kevin Feige and he's the Kathleen Kennedy of the Star Trek um, franchise right now. Well, let's hope he's not the Kathleen Kennedy. We know how that's going. Oh, hell no. <laughs> no way. No way. Kevin Feige's better, but I'll tell you what. The yeah. MCU is having their problems Which uh, we right will now. touch on a little Which bit let's, later. Which let's get to now yeah. since uh, 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 we're, we're moving on here. Yes, we've we got a lot of Star Trek. But hey. We we love it, so we, we yes we do. do it. Yep. Anyway, you had a story that you had uh, posted here. Yes, um, about uh, a recent. Well, it was interesting. Some stories you hear said that uh, she was moving on. Other stories mm. said that she was fired. <clears throat> yes. So I guess it depends on what story you want to believe. But he uh, said she said. Yeah, he said, she said, they said, we said. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead here. What do we got? Yeah, so for those of you diehard Marvel nuts like me and Eric, you know that Victoria Alonso was one of the executive producers for all of the MCU films and streaming series on Disney Plus and everywhere else. Well, Victoria Alonso, earlier this week it was announced, was let go from the MCU as executive producer. And when I read this initially, my head spun like a bobblehead doll. 
because I said to myself, why on God's good green earth would they fire one of the most important people in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Mm. Fast forward to now. <laughs> Just a couple days ago, I found an article here that goes deeper into why Victoria Alonso was ousted from the MCU. And according to this article, Eric, that I found from Variety Magazine, which is a very credible Hollywood magazine source. It's been around for since the uh, uh, incarnation of Hollywood. The dawn of the, entertainment uh, right, time. Exactly. Apparently, what happened was um, Victoria Alonso uh, worked on a film, an Oscar-nominated film, mind you, called Argentina 1985. Mm. And apparently, that movie is what got her fired. Now, according to uh, this article, uh, she was fired as their president of physical production, post-production, VFX, and animation. Um, and the shakeup came, obviously, as a surprise to many of us, but apparently... Uh, this has raised some numerous questions about the behind-the-screen workings at um, uh, for Victoria Alonso, and apparently this movie that she worked on was considered a violation or breach of contract that she had with the MCU, which specifically forbade her from making any other films off to the side or with another production company while she was still under contract with Marvel, mm. with MCU. So, the, And the reason why this is big, folks, is because we've been hearing rampant rumors over the last several months about how Kevin Feige has been linked uh, to Lucasfilm and has been linked to Dis or uh, has been linked to Star Wars. Okay. Even though John Favreau and Dave Filoni um, are still um, in charge of the creative end of things there. Kevin Feige has been linked in the past to doing some film projects there, which has now led to many questions about what is his future going to be in the MCU. Mm. Well, now you have Victoria Alonso being kicked out of the office for yeah. apparently violating her contract by making this movie. And um, while well, they are, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was, I was going to jump in and say too, now, yeah. now, you know, I don't, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure things could be forgiven. And supposedly mm -hmm. too, in the article, it states, uh, she states that uh, she, she says that she had gotten permission from you know them to go ahead and, and do this other project allegedly allegedly but you know here's the deal too is in the article it also mentions i just want to read some of this real quick it's, it's talking yeah. about uh, uh marvel studios here so it says still the drumbeat that something is rotten in the state of marvel studios only grew louder with the release of ant-man and wasp quantumania a film that finished shooting over a year before it was due in theaters and still weathered repeated criticism for generic visual effects that yeah. looked like CGI glop mm -hmm. and were very flat and cruddy looking. Yeah. Even more critical, the movie grossed. Uh, goes on to talk about how the movie didn't do it. And then also says, you know, because she's had a lot of problems. And then we, they've also had the, we did a story earlier uh, in, in a few podcasts ago that talked about how yeah. the visual effects artist were basically being run into the ground. Yep. They were doing too many, uh, they're doing too many different projects and they, and they can't really give time to uh, right there, what does that say? They can't really give time to to each one. It says mm -hmm. different uh, senior VXX, VFX FX. artist <laughs> threw cold water on the idea. Alonzo would be single out as artist. The idea is a senior exec. Uh, oh, sorry, that was a little something a little bit different. Anyway, they were talking yeah. about how that they uh, they just did not have the time to do all these projects, and then they would come to him with these last minute changes. You know, so that's yeah. why the CGI looks so terrible. Mm -hmm. So I think there were a lot more problems here than just the fact that she, you know, went on. I think there it was almost in a position where maybe, you know, her tenure here had run its course and MCU's got a lot of problems. They are looking for, for <clears throat> uh, uh, 
you know, fall guys and gals, <laughs> yes. as it were. Right. And right. I'm, I'm wondering about Kevin Feige. Is he, is he maybe getting, uh, is he under the microscope here? Is he well, getting looked at? Well, listen to this here. Just in quoting this article here, it also goes on to say that. Um, uh, so Disney, obviously, we know, has relied upon Marvel to be a large cash cow for it, essentially, mm-hmm. where the Marvel films have grossed over $28 billion at the global box office, especially as Bob Iger, you know, makes a plan that he's uh, makes a plan that he's cutting costs across the board. But insiders also say that five Disney Plus series from Marvel Studios that had been scheduled to debut this year, Eric, have been narrowed to just three or four, with mm. others moving into 2024 and possibly beyond. So my thought here is that if this is an, an internal coup d'etat, or if this is a toppling on the creative side that's now trickled its way up to the highest ranks of the production crew and the people in charge of Marvel, if this comes toppling down like a Jenga puzzle, and this signals the it won't signal the end of the MCU. No. But if this is going to cause a lot of creative contortions this could also spell some doom for Disney as well, because like the article says, Disney relied on Marvel for twenty-eight mm. billion dollars of movies to bring in the cash for them. Yeah, if they, I'm not going to say they're going to lose that much if this comes toppling down on them, but that, I think Disney and Bob Iger have every reason to be chewing on their fingernails right now, looking at all of this and seeing what's going on with inside the MCU. Well, and and. Uh- also there, you mentioned Bob Iger, and he's coming in, and let's say, I mean, we have other stories, and we'll have to get to it probably next podcast, that, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, there's massive layoffs at Disney, we all know that. There, yes. I mean, he is coming in, and he has cut a lot of things. There's a lot of things being put on the shelf for now. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, necessarily if, if he's, I, I don't know what the motivation is there, but I will yeah. say that, yes, it does look bad when you have a franchise, MCU, and especially mm-hmm. a movie that just came out, Quantumania, that basically got uh, pretty much smashed at the box office. Yeah. Um, wasn't a smash. It got smashed. Mm-hmm. And then you have your uh, executive uh, producer here uh, is out there on the red carpet for a movie that she was involved with, and she's on, in the Oscars for a different movie she was involved with that had nothing right. to do with the MCU. That's not a good look, and I can understand why yeah. there'd be some people that would be very upset about I, that. Yeah, I can't too, yeah. Yeah, so... So, yeah, so I, I think it was just everything just came together at the right time. Unfortunately, the wrong time for her um, because of this, because of the movie and because of, of what's going on behind the scenes at Marvel. So Yeah, and it will be interesting to kind of keep tabs on this because could there be an impending lawsuit around the corner? Who knows? Uh, well, hey. Whoa, on that note. With that, we <laughs> have got to say goodbye. It's the end of the show. We will be back, though. Don't worry. We will be yes. back. And um, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Pardon the Intermission and, and on Twitter at PTI underscore podcast. Podcast. That's right. Hey, guys, yep. thanks again for listening. Please review the show and subscribe if you haven't already. We really appreciate it. And leave some comments on social media as well. Thanks a All lot, right. guys. Peace out. All right, everybody. Take care. Until next time. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now, I want you to go check out one of the other best podcasts around. It's called The No Focus Radio Hour. It has comedy and insight from the greatest minds in the know. And how do I know? Well, because I'm part of that great show also. So please go check it out. It's available on all your podcasting apps. The No Focus Radio Hour.